Hello, everybody. Back at it. This one's called Ghost by Kid Cudi. This one's called Roses. This is by St. John and Future. This is brand new. It's one of my favorite songs right now. Let's play it. song is called Rosa Mo by Lucky Day. Very summer vibe. I like this guy. His album Painted is out now. It's very good. Uh, it's a good vibe. I'll let you guys listen to it. Episode 44 of the Blake Mayfield Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Mayfield, and I'm here today for the first time in this show's history, but the second time in the uh, discography or whatever you want to call it, uh, since the last episode was the throwback. I have my good friend, someone I've admired for a very long time, someone that is a continuous role model th for me throughout my life, my good friend, Max Kleiber. Max, how are you? Yeah, absolutely, dude. He's awesome. I it's very good, just like chill music, and it just puts you like in a good mood and stuff. I I like it a lot too. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, 
I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Today's a very good day. Uh, it just, I don't know. It's just been good. You know, one of those days when nothing goes bad, you just can't help but just kind of, you know, be alive and still be breathing, I guess. So yeah, it, it's going good. Um, I want to shout out real quick the Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple listeners. Thank you guys very much for streaming. Uh, wherever you may be streaming this, wherever you are in the world, you decided to be here in this moment with me and Max, so I appreciate you very much for that. Um, I want to shout out all the filmmakers, all the people who aspire to achieve their wildest dreams, the creatives, people who aren't afraid to take risks, people who aren't afraid of other people's opinions and what they think and what they say. Um, shout out to every single one of you because it's a very select few people, and just know that, and I know I speak for Max when I say this, that we understand you, know that we love you, and that we support you because that stuff takes a lot of guts, you know, and it's really cool that people are doing that stuff. So without further ado, uh, let's get into it, Max. So I wanted to ask you, man, I listened back to our old podcast with me, you and Jordan from over four years ago. Uh, I listened to the whole thing the other day and it was awesome. And yeah, that's crazy. Like 2016, I was a senior, I was 18 years old, senior in high school, man. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I listen to. I don't think my voice has changed much, but like it's crazy to see like my my how my worldview has changed. How me and Jordan as creatives approach things now. So that was really cool to like kind of like listen back on that and be like, it, it's like a perfect timestamp for what was going on in our minds at the beginning of me and Jordan's career in a sense. So that was really cool that you did that, and it was really cool to like get a, a glimpse back at that moment in history. So that was really cool. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. The, my main takeaway from it was, I actually agree with you. I don't think my voice has changed, honestly, at all whatsoever, uh, which is really odd. But, um, you know, it's just like us talking about Nikki and everything. It really like it just took me back to like that day when we filmed at your parents' house. And it just brought back all those good memories and good stuff. You know, there was not one bad person. There was not one bad vibe. There wasn't anyone that was being a diva. You know what I mean? Like nothing like that at all. No ego. It was just pure joy and fun you know and it's like that's very hard to come by especially when you get older in life you know uh, there's always something attached to it you know there's always a price tag on everything it feels like and that day it just didn't feel like that that day was uh, one of the best days of my life both the pod and you know the day it came out and then when we got to film it and stuff and just overall one of the best experiences i think um but yeah I, I agree with you my voice has not changed much and then yeah just the outlook on everything and just kind of like you know, fast forwarding and seeing where everything's at now, you know, you guys are doing it, you know, major down there in LA. I wanted to ask you, what are some upcoming projects you got going on? Um, so, because of quarantine, too, and first of all, to, to jump back real quick before I jump forward, is that, like, yeah, too, like, we, me and Jordan were so blessed by, like, you, uh, Aiden, and a bunch of, everyone who showed up that day who, like, were just willing to help us, because that's our first project, and the fact that we had people down for the cause, to help us because like me that's something that me and Jordan still find fault in with people is like a lot of people just don't want to help us uh, whether it's be extras in something or whatever it may be so the fact that we had just a group of friends who were like yeah man like we, whatever you need us to do we're going to have people show up and like help you see your vision come to life like that was just such a blessing um, so shout out to everyone who's there you included um, but moving forward as far as like projects go and stuff that like me and Jordan are working on we're it's hard. Quarantine's hard. I mean, me, thankfully, and, you know, me and Jordan were very blessed to have uh, a job come through literally the weekend that L.A. announced its stay-in, stay-at-home orders. So we were, like, we were literally on set in Calabasas for this music video. And this, I was, I was constantly on my phone because I was checking the news to see if we needed to be worried about anything, yada, yada, yada. And sure enough, we started, we filmed Friday through Sunday, 
and on Saturday, I think it was, is when the mayor said, like, yeah, stay at home, quarantine's really serious, like, this, this shit's getting really serious, um, be careful, and we're like, fuck, like, okay, like, let's just, hurry, let's get this thing done so we can go and be safe, get tested, whatever it needs to be, so, and that, that, thankfully, that job paid for my rent for the next couple months where I can figure out, okay, like, what do I need to do for money for the next couple months, because there's no way film's going to be possible to pay for rent and all these things, like, how else am I going to find money? And it gave me a couple months buffer to figure that out. But uh, in the last couple weeks, me and Jordan have uh, me and Jordan have like a certain group of people who kind of like stick up for us as far as help find us jobs, help find us artists, all these things. And they like reach out to us and say, "Hey, this artist is doing this. Can you can, can build a treatment for this music video?" As well as like me and Jordan, right before quarantine, finished a bunch of stuff. We finished we're finished because me and Jordan have mainly been in the editing process, and that's what Jordan's doing right now is uh, we're editing a fashion film. So we had a good friend at my school, uh, his name's uh, Stassi, and he builds his own fashion line. Like, this dude makes the craziest clothes, self-designed, he makes it all from scratch himself. And we were like, oh, bro, like, we would love to shoot, like, a cool, experimental, almost, like, commercial-esque film, like, a minute long, minute-something long fashion that shows off you as an artist as well as shows off your clothing. And so we've been editing this cool, like, experimental uh, short, I guess, for his fashion, uh, as well as we have a music, a couple music videos that we're working on right now in the post-process. And then we also have, we shot this really cool documentary for um, this uh, company called City Impact in Ventura. And it's a really cool documentary about this girl who, um, she uh, was in it, like, she was in and out of trouble, bro. Like, she was, like, addicted to mess. Like, uh, she's in and out of probation. Like her being released from probation, we got to talk to her and her case manager about the process of it all, and we just shot this really cool, like really meaningful documentary for me and Jordan, and I believe for her as well, to kind of just share her story and like what she's been through. So a lot of the stuff that me and Jordan are working on, like working on right now, is mainly just like post production, like a lot of editing to get these things out. But that's the main stuff, and then of course we have like stuff further down the line. But it's all up in the air. It's it's all up in the air because we don't know. I mean, there's there's talk of some productions getting back on the set, but like, how are those sets going to be conducted? Because like, keeping you know, sanitary conditioning as well as like keeping social distancing. So it's it's really up in the air. Like it's it's crazy. It's a weird it's a weird time to be a filmmaker. And I'm just like catching up on the news and reading articles about like what we can do as filmmakers. And it really drives the creative stuff because me and Jordan we literally Jordan and I filmed a. Um, a promo video for our new short film that we really want to do and right before we were about to start the fundraising for it and right before we were about to release the promo COVID happened and it's like shit like how do we re-look at this story because like there's no way that we can shoot it now with like conditions and stuff like that so how do we reimagine this story in a post-COVID filmmaking world and it's really cool to see like what me and fellow creatives are trying to come up with to keep good storytelling alive but still following like good safe guidelines to create stuff so yeah man it's crazy it's, it's up in the it's, it's something that i'm still trying to figure out and that a lot of us are still trying to figure out so 
Yeah, that's a good point you bring up as far as like, because I didn't even think about it, but as far as like social distancing and sanitary stuff on the set of a movie, because there's so many people that, of course, you never see in the scenes of the movie or anything that are behind the camera. I mean, I I don't know. Obviously, you guys have a way better understanding of all that than I do. But, you know, I'm going to assume there's 5, 10, 15 people you know, behind the camera and on the set, not including the actors at all times. So it's like, you're going to have all these people and that's just interesting that you bring that up and whatnot. Since you live in LA, um, I'm wondering, and this is kind of a, I guess like a tree hugger comment or whatever, but how's the sky look? Like how is the environment without all the smog and the airplanes and stuff? Man, it was, it's funny, it was beautiful for a little bit, but then I think people got restless and like, obviously there's still people who are essential workers and still need to do their jobs. So like, genuinely for a while because like from my house or my apartment where me and jordan live to get to like downtown la on like a regular day is like 30 to 45 minutes depending on traffic but like because of covid like sometimes me and jordan still have to drive to la to do stuff or i had to drive to la for like other means of money and stuff like that and the drive was like 15 20 minutes i was like this is fucking crazy like what but after a couple after like a month or two of that, it kind of went back to normal because a lot of people, again, had to continue doing their livelihood. So it's, it's somewhat returned to normal in L.A. Um, as far as like environmental stuff goes. But it was really interesting to see at the beginning of it all to just see the freeways completely empty and to see the skyline like actually like really beautiful and stuff. So, yeah, it was something that I, in, my, in my four plus years being down here, like it was something that I never got to see or experience. So, yeah, that was wild. I was, again, it was was short-lived, but it was wild, at least in the moment of seeing it all happen. Is the city still under stay-at-home orders? I'm not sure if I've checked in a while. Are you guys still supposed to be at home? Yeah, L.A. County is. L.A. County is uh, uh, until August. Um, But, of course, with everything going on with the Black Lives Matter movement and there's, like, bigger issues at hand, like, there's a lot of people taking risks because, like, they want to stand up for, you know, this with what's right and wrong in our country going on right now and so a lot of people including me like i i'm i'm one of the i was one of the first people on the line protesting like i went to a santa Ana protest and it's scary though it's, it's kind of scary because it's like man like i need to be out here i feel like i need to be out here to be a part of this and to speak up for this thing but at the same time like there's also a pandemic going on and i'm at no risk to help fight this fight if i'm also sick and or getting other people sick in, the, in, in light of all these things happening so it's definitely still being cautious but at the same time like there's such a big issue going on that like you want to both fight this thing but like also like not hurt yourself or others so it's just like fine line. you can find other ways to help too like I've been donating money um, like today there's a there's a filmmaker I, I really love and I admire she directed Honey Boy and um, uh, the Shrine of Buff film and um Okay. I I have her on, I have her on Twitter and she's been donating money to, because uh, I don't know if you've seen it but like people have a hard time getting home sometimes after these protests and they're cracking down on curfew and stuff and so she's been saying like hey I have I have some money that people need like rides from Uber or from Lyft to to get home and to get safe like do people need money for anything like that and she's been donating a ton of money which has been super cool to see and so I've been helping out as much as I can saying like hey. I know that you're donating here some money too to like to give other people some Uber rides. So there's other ways to like help out, but at the same time, like I also know that like I'm no good and I can't continue filming or I can't continue being like being active if I'm sick or I get sick. So there's a there's a fine line of balance of trying to like do the right thing, but also like not put others at risk. At least in my opinion, that's how I'm seeing it. So 
I didn't see, again, I, I can't I can't highlight this time more than just being like this crazy time of being in L.A. Like, Hollywood Boulevard's been shut down for, you know, days, if not weeks now because of the protests and everything. So it's beautiful to see, but at the same time, it's sad to see because, you know, these people are standing up for something so right. But at the same time, like, there is still that pandemic, and we're still technically at stay-at-home orders. So, right, man, it's crazy. Yeah, I think the scariest part about this whole thing, and we'll get to the protest stuff a little bit later, because I, whether it was noticeable or not, I have been a little silent on that, so I do want to get back to that in a little while, but um, the craziest part about the pandemic, man, is I feel like, you know, unlike with the flu, or with, you know, swine flu, or with, you know, even Ebola and stuff like that, which didn't hit America, luckily, hard at all, but it's like, there wasn't a lot of asymptomatic cases, but with this, it's like two out of five people, almost, have no symptoms at all. And never even, you know what I mean? Like Kevin Durant had no symptoms and he was, you know, he probably spread the virus himself for a week or two to whoever he was around, you know, you'd dap up people or handshake or, you know, whatever people do, you know? So it's just, it's very scary. And especially in LA, there's so many people. It's such a dense population that it's like, if you have any asymptomatic people, people are going to get infected, you know? And it's like, I understand where you're coming from with all that. It is crazy how the country went from social distancing and stay at home orders to, you know what I mean? This, this modern day lynching on video basically. And now everyone's protesting and yeah. everyone's, you know, locking arms and hands and, and they should be, but it's just, it is scary because it is a pandemic. And, and I agree with you. Yeah. It is very, uh, you know, a lot of people are at risk. So I, you know, I appreciate you, you yeah. know, looking out for others and whatnot, you know, as just a fellow, uh, human being, but, um, We'll get to some of the heaviest, heavier stuff later. I, I want to catch up with you on some filmmaking stuff. So I have a question. I, I asked you personally a week or two ago, but I was wanted to get it for the audience and whatnot. I noticed you guys changed from um, Life Imitates Art Productions to uh, J&M, right? Or Jam? Uh, how do yeah, you pronounce that? Yeah, it's Jam. So, yeah, it's a, uh, a J.A.M. Yeah, so it's just a, a, a short version of just saying Jordan Max and... Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up, too, because, like, we, I mean, me and Jordan talked about LIA was more of just, like, a production title, so it was more like, you know how before films, they, it shows, it shows like, Lyrical Lemonade, or it shows um, A24, or it shows Paramount, or something of that nature. Yeah. So, like, that was, like, our yeah. call sign, in a sense, for, like, this is the production thing that we want to go by. It wasn't so much like that me and Jordan wanted to go by, but it's like whenever you see a Jordan and my Jordan and myself make a production, we want to put it under this like catalog of sense of like LIA, and it was more for like the LLC business purposes and stuff. Like you can get tax write-offs and all and stuff because it's technically business doings. Um, so that's mainly why LIA, but like we've kind of transitioned from that and more just like Jam goes more of like as a call sign for me and Jordan, and it's much shorter than saying like directed by Jordan Moran and Max Kleiber. You know, it's just, like, directed by Jam. Like, it's, that's Jordan Max. <laughs> and we, we got the idea from, uh, there's a lot of directors now who kind of do that. Like, for example, one of my favorite, uh, my two favorite directors, uh, Daniel Kwan and Daniel, can't pronounce his last name. It looks like, I think it's, like, Schoenert or something like that. They just go, they're both, first names are both Daniels. So whenever they direct something, it's just directed by the Daniels. And it's, like, a really cool, just short way to know, like, oh, whenever you see directed by the Daniels, you know, that it's directed by these two Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Schoenitz. And we're just like, why don't we do that? Like, why don't we do something like that? And it's funny how it's, like, weirdly caught on. Like, me and Jordan are never opposed to saying Jordan and Max, or Max and Jordan are going however. But, like, Jim, it's such, like, a concise thing of recognition. 
And so it's like, it's so funny, like whenever like we're walking around uh, my school or whenever we're walking around together doing stuff and people know us, they go, and we've even, it's so funny, people even like came up to us and go, oh, you guys are jam, huh? Like, oh, like, oh, look, there's jam. And it's like, yeah, I guess that is us. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's like weird. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's us. Um, right. So it's mainly, it, was, it wasn't any like big plan or like any like, there's like a, there's a rollout or a purpose, but it's just like, a concise way of saying like these projects are done by Jordan Maxwell. LIA was more of like, what can we do with like a production title and a business purpose, like an LLC? And it's like that just didn't happen. Like that just doesn't. I don't know. It's like a weird evolution of it. But it's like, I don't think like me and Jordan would say like, oh, we go by LIA, but like everything that we make is LIA. But like now it's just more like let's just not do like the business production side of it. Let's just say that like our stuff is made by us jam so that's like the main i guess i guess to like highlight it that's like the main reason like why we switched per se but like we still we still would use la for like llc purposes whether we need it for like tax write-offs or other business reasons and stuff so yeah that's i guess that's the concisest way i can say why the switch there's not like any big reason behind it or like a like a evolutionary reason with it we've we've grown beyond lia like that's that's the height that's the high school early college max like now we just wanted to make jam cons- like consistent and just small and it's like it's like i guess it's like a cool call sign or like a calling card i guess you could say so and like that's the thing too is we need to we need to step up our game because like now that we do that it's like we need to build a website we need to build like a portfolio that has jam underneath it even our, our, our newest directing reel that we posted uh it was a while ago but it was our most recent uh directing reel like, we even opened it saying, like, hello, like, our names are, like, Jordan Rand and Maxwell Kleiber, but we go by the directing duo Jam, this is our work. And then, then go, and then this, here's our work. So. That's actually my next question. I was going to ask if it was, like, a like an evolution of content for you guys, if you guys felt like you guys are doing such different stuff now that you need the name change. But it sounds like it was more just of a, a kind of catchy thing for people to catch on to. It's not really uh, – it's not a creative thing, is what you're saying. Yeah, and I mean, even maybe even subconsciously it could have been because, like, honestly, if you because a lot of the LA stuff is under like our YouTube persona. Like, you can even like look back at our YouTube channel and like see all the LIA work, and it's like, man, yeah, we have like grown beyond this as far as creative. So, like, maybe there is like some conscious, some subconscious like creative evolution behind it, but that wasn't like the intention, you know. But yeah, I mean, I think the stuff we were making under the persona or under the business title of LIA compared to like our, our calling card now Jan is just like expounded like light years as far as like work goes like we're just learning so much and we've just been surrounding ourselves with these insane creative people who are so blessed to know and it's making us look even better so it's like oh yeah so I mean yeah there could be like a subconscious reason but it definitely wasn't like the per- like the, the driving force behind like why we wanted the name change so, gotcha. Um, you graduated college this year, correct? Yeah, I graduated college in December. So I've technically been, I'm almost, yeah, almost a year graduated now. Um, Congrats. Uh, I, I yeah, thank you. I graduated a semester, I think it was a semester. I don't, I don't, A, I don't care. B, I just, I don't, my memory is just, just <laughs> but I think it's, it's like, it was either a semester or a year early. I can't remember, but either way, I graduated early. And I didn't go to college this last semester because I was already done. Um, so yeah, it's almost, I'm almost a year out. 
from being graduated, which is crazy to think about. Congrats, and dude. Yeah. Time. That's and awesome. What a time to grad. It was crazy, too. Like, I was talking to, um, I don't know if you know him, uh, uh, Jake Gibbons, who's a, he's a Christian uh, rapper that I've loved, and thankfully I got to become close friends with him over the you know, the last couple of years and stuff, and we've just collaborated and really just, like, he's just spoken so much life into me. And um, he was, like, talking to me, like, dude, you're probably, like, the last generation of graduates that graduated normally. Because I got to walk, man. I got to, like, go up on stage and get my diploma. Like, I got to, like, do, like, I got to do the graduation, but that's not the case anymore. Like, this this last semester, like, a lot of my friends graduated this last semester, and, man, they did all the online stuff. I was like, man, that sucks. Like, it's weird to be, like, a part of the last, generation of like normal graduates at least for the time being but regardless me and the graduates graduated into a a recession and be a pandemic so it's like, not great. <laughs> like so there's, really, there's no difference really so Right. Yeah. Well, that, that was what I was going to ask you was, you know, first, you know, what's life been like after college? And second, you know, I, I didn't know you realized, or sorry, I didn't realize you graduated in December, but you know, you're right. You graduated right into a full-blown pandemic and protests and 2020 has been nuts, but what, what good stuff wise, what has it been like since you've left? Well, it was crazy. I set out a goal for myself. I set out a goal and I held on to it as long as possible, but of course I, I couldn't anymore because of COVID. But I set out a goal for myself to be like, okay, once I graduate, I'm not going to take, and nothing against the people who have, because this is more of just a personal goal and not like a worldview, but of just like, I'm not going to do a normal nine to five, or I'm not going to do like a normal job once I graduate. Like, I don't want to work at, you know, Chipotle while I do film stuff on the side. Like, I want to graduate and have film be the only reason I'm making money and paying rent and paying for groceries. And genuinely, for the first couple months after I graduated, that was the case. Like, me and Jordan had a lot of gigs lined up. We were doing music videos. We just started getting into commercial work, uh, shooting spec commercials and talking to people about shooting their stuff for their brands or for their um, products or something like that. And it stinks because, uh, like I said earlier, like, me and Jordan were blessed to have one last music video come through before like everything like really went to shit like you know but like it sucked <laughs> because we felt like we were we were just like in a sense like not like popping off but like we were like doing enough consistent work where Jordan, Jordan was literally because Jordan's been working at Starbucks and Jordan was on the verge of quitting like Jordan goes dude if we get more of these keep coming in man like I don't need to work at Starbucks anymore because we're making enough money to survive off film alone and I was like yeah man that's that's what I want for both of us and that's what I want that's like again that's the personal goal I set out for myself and so that was happening. Like that was starting to happen where we were like, oh my gosh, this is happening. Like we can pay, we can pay for like better desktops. We can pay for better film equipment. Like we can pay for rent and we might be able to like move out. We might be able to like do stuff like, oh my gosh. And then everything hit and it just put everything on just like the most absurd pause ever. And there's, I mean, there's blessings in that and there's curses in that. Like the curse is like, man, like we were really starting to get notoriety. Like we were talking to some really cool people and, and that's what the second thing is, like, I wish I could name drop, but, like, knowing me and my luck, like, man, like, there was, like, there's so many times where, like, I say really cool things, I'm like, hey, I'm working on this right now, and people are like, oh, man, that's so cool, I can't wait for it, and then it falls through and it never works out. Like, we were supposed to shoot for, like, Cause, who's a part of Dreamville. Um, yeah. So, uh, we, know, we know some people with him, and, like, we were talking about, like, shooting some studio time and some other stuff, and then that fell through, and it's like, oh, shoot. And, like, we have some stuff down the pipeline right now working for some, like, really big artists. 
and really cool artists that we really admire and that we whose work we've admired. But it's like we don't know everything. That, that's the, that's the sexy thing about a creator is we can name drop and say the cool things we might work on later down the road. But like we don't know if it's going to happen a to the COVID and b because that's just the, that's the, the name of the game. That's the business. But regardless, just even this, even to be have our names attached to those artists seemed more frequently happening at the end of normalcy and at the beginning of COVID and it just stinks now because that's not the case because everything's falling through but we're trying to get back there but I think one thing that COVID's been a blessing for is a lot of people are at their computers and a lot of people are by their phones and a lot of people are reading their messages and stuff and like now is the perfect time to like get our work seen and to um to network and stuff like that like like I mentioned earlier I name dropped her uh, Alma who um directed Honey Boy like like the fact that I, I have contact with her is like that wouldn't have happened probably if it wasn't for something like COVID because she can see my messages now because like she's not busy doing other stuff like she's in quarantine just like I am and I think that a lot of filmmakers, artists, creatives, entrepreneurs, people who want to network should take advantage of this time where people are you know at home like the rest of us to try and make real connections and not just use those connections as stepping stones or as like I'm trying to get a leg up but like oh no if you have a genuine person you've always wanted to contact and be mentored like there's a director that means Jordan who's what we've admired and she's so wonderful and especially during the times of COVID she's been nothing but like she's been spitting mad game for us like she has been just (laughs) showing a rope as far as directors go and I was just like oh my gosh I don't think that this would have happened unless we had like a stay at home order where she's not able to work and I'm not able to work, so it's like, why not talk to someone about these things? So there's blessings and curses from it, from it all, but I'd say, I'd say it's still heavy because, like, yeah, me and Jordan felt like we were finally moving in a direction that we really liked. But like, man, now it's time to reassess and like replan and see if we can move in a new direction and you know keep pushing regardless and reaching out to people regardless. But yeah, it stinks. I think it stinks more than anything because yeah, we. Overall, me and Jordan were just really excited about the next phases of like what our careers were going to start to look like, um, you know, before all this happened. So, yeah. So, it's funny you bring up the fact of stuff falling through because obviously I'm not out there. You you know, like I said, you guys have way more experience than I do and whatnot. But it is funny to hear from all the you know big name directors or actors or anybody that's ever been you know super successful and the fact that it seems like eight or nine out of every ten projects you get will fall through for one reason or another. You know, there's plenty of people that get a TV pilot or they get a you know an episode on TV or they get a Netflix thing or they get a documentary going and then six months into it or whatever someone doesn't want to do it and it just falls through. How how often and how many projects have you guys lost because of that? Not only including this, but just since you've been out there. And and, and, and how do you guys deal with that? Is the second part of my question. How do you guys deal with that? Man, this is this question alone could be like its own podcast. Like this is such a, <laughs> and there's so and there's so many good creators who probably will say it better than me. But like, yeah, like honestly, like me and Jordan have been. Ble- I think the biggest blessing that me and Jordan have faced is like we are not a part of a representative group we're not part of a label we're not part of a specific thing because most of the time it's directors and a a slew of directors pitching their concept it could be like 10 and i'm a part of the music video directors union and we talked about this but like yeah you could have like upwards of like 20 something people sometimes pitching on a video and i was talking to like the daniels again and they were like saying like yeah man like we were part of this uh pitch for a kendrick lamar video and we're so excited and we like did all these crazy things, and then we realized we were going up against Dave Myers, 
and Dave Myers directed like the um, what's the song with Travis Scott and Drake? Um, oh, Sicko Mode. On the Sicko Mode, he directed the Sicko Mode video as well as he directed like uh, um, Humble from Kendrick Lamar. God damn! Like, they were like, oh, yeah, they were like, oh man, if we knew that, if we knew that Dave Myers was pitching on it, we would have never pitched on it. There's no way we're gonna beat him out. So that's that's the downfall of the director is like, yeah, you're some, you're most of the time you're pitching against so many other talented people. Um, who might have ins and outs with that artist that you may never never know about because of how close they are or whatever it is. But one of the blessings that me and Jordan has, we haven't really run into that because a lot of the times it's me and Jordan specifically approaching an artist ourselves and saying, like, hey, we have this idea, can we shoot it? Or an artist actually coming to us saying, like, hey, I have this song, do you want to shoot for it? It's not so much us pitching because that's where the main heartbreak comes in. It's like the pitch, you, you have this wonderful idea that you've been slaving over and you're just like, oh, I have to do this idea. Like, I'm, I have to do this in every ounce of my fiber and then all of a sudden it falls through and it's like, well, now I have this beautiful idea that I can't use. Now what? So me and Jordan haven't run into that obstacle as much, but like, even regardless, yeah, I think, I think you nailed on the head like nine times out of ten, like something falls through and you just have to yeah, you just have to buckle up. You just have to realize that that's the name of the game. That is part of the business is having 99% of the time someone saying no to you. But there's that 1%, there's that 1% of the time someone finally gives you that yes and you make that yes life or death. You make that yes, like, I'm going Man. to kill this thing. I'm going to make this the best thing ever because this could be my last. Uh, Scott right. Jackson, who directed Doctor Strange, even talks about that the most, is like, I treat every film I make like it's the last film I ever make because I don't know if it's going to be the last film I ever make. Because it's like, yeah, that's great. Like, that's the truth. That's like that's the mentality I think a lot of filmmakers and creatives have is like, this could be the last thing ever. So like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to make this the best thing I can try and make it. Like, you know, because if you have the mentality of like, oh yeah, this is just a job, but like we'll have more the next month. We don't know if we'll have one in the next month. Like, and now especially with COVID, we don't know the next time even now that we're going to have the next thing. So it's like. Yeah, it's being able to, like, roll with the punches and roll with the heartbreak of, like, losing a project or losing a connection. Because there's, yeah, I, I can't, me and Jordan even made, or we created a concept for a short film based on our experience of just getting, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, just getting shit on by the industry and getting shit on by artists and being, you know, I don't, I don't want to name names, but there was a really cool artist that we worked with who, um, whose music we actually really liked and we actually got to shoot him two videos and we got to shoot at um, Michael Concession's house and Michael Concession was um, you know funny enough he's like one of the leaders of the, the Crips uh, he was, and he's like all about gang reform now and stuff like that and his house is amazing and this artist goes yeah we're going to shoot at this house like be prepared like we're going to shoot here and we're like oh sick that's awesome and we shot the two videos we loved the two videos and it was just me and Jordan on set too like we just we manhandled the things ourselves and we loved it. We were just like, oh, this is so fun. Like, what a great experience. And he even asked us, he's like, hey, man, what's your guys' IG handles? I'm going to tag you the videos going on Worldstar. And it's still on Worldstar. You can find it. Uh, again, I won't name drop because I don't want to call anyone out. But, like, yeah, the, that video is still on Worldstar. Like, you can see it. It has, like, damn near a million views. And me and Jordan's names are left off. He actually, the artist tagged a completely different director. Um and me and Jordan were just livid. We were like, what in the fuck did we do to deserve that? Like, we made this man two music videos, got left off. We didn't even get, like, credits for the fact that we created it. Like, 
what is going on right now? And we were just so, so upset. And, like, that, that's the name of the game. Like, that's have that that type of situation has happened to us, like, more times than not. It's, like, unbelievable how many times that, that has, like, occurred in our careers where we're just like, okay, like, it, you almost become numb to it. You become, like, numb to, like, the, the heartbreak of it. You're just like, okay, time to move on. Like, time for the next thing. And it's like, that should, that should not be how it goes. But sad to say that's the majority of the time. So... Yeah, no, I hear that. It, it, that's how I, you know, and it's a much smaller scale and it's a different, you know, arena than you guys, but it's it's all in the entertainment realm with the podcast. It's like, there's people that will approach me to do one and then it's like, you try and get everything set up and, and you know, I, I want to thank you on air because there was a day or two in the last week where I simply, you know, schedules didn't line up and I was like, hey dude, like, I'm sorry, I got to cancel on you. Like, will you please be available, you know, tomorrow or whatever? And you said yes every time. So, you know, thank you very much. You know, I, I know you understand that struggle and whatnot. Not so, but you know, there's people that yeah, will approach me, or there's people that I'll try and get on, and they'll be all for it. This, that, and the third, and then you get to the day of, or you get to the hour of, and they just don't ever text you back, or they don't ever call you back, they don't ever DM you again, they don't ever anything. And it's just like, I don't understand why they would even lead me on to that point. You know what I mean? It's a very disappointing thing, but it's also just like, I think as yeah. creatives and as people who, you know, we have to use our imagination and we have to, re- you know, use who we really are to for our content and stuff. It's like, it is very personal. Like, you know, it's, I think it's Lauren Hill that has, you know, the bar about, um, or maybe it's Erica Badu, but you know, I'm an artist. I am sensitive about my shit. You know, I'm very sensitive about my shit. I always have been. I always will be. I know you guys are, you know, especially you, you know, you feel the exact same way. It's like, this is me. You know, it's like, I'm pitching me. I'm not pitching a Gatorade drink. I'm not pitching, you know, uh, uh, what, you know, a candy bar. It's like, you're pitching yourself, you know, and I'm sure you can expound on that for, you know, hours on end, but it's just like, yeah, it is very odd how people just simply don't want to support or don't want to give credit, but they will take, you know, every last bit that they can get from you or they'll, you know, totally use you for something. And it really sucks, you know, but it's like you got to keep the people that support you and the people that love you and want to see you move forward. You got to hold them even tighter at that point, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I'll always take that. Um but moving out of uh, film and whatnot for a little bit, let's talk about some NBA. So the NBA announced that they're coming back on July 31st, and I know you are a lifelong and a diehard Golden State Warriors fan. I know last summer was pretty tough for you. Um, as a Laker fan, I will not rub it in your face because you guys won three and five. But um, how do you feel about the Warriors going forward? Everyone's going to be healthy next year, and you guys might get Giannis. How are you feeling about all that? I'd say the first thing that I'm, I'm scared about, too, and like it's funny too because like I I get a lot of my info from Jordan because Jordan is actually like dude Jordan as far as like prediction dude he predicted Kevin Durant months before that deal actually went through. I was in Minnesota when I got the confirmation that Kevin Durant was on the Warriors the dude called that months ago he goes dude I'm telling you we're gonna get Kevin and I know exactly how it's gonna go he's like to me his knowledge is like how Alec White is in baseball like dude, like the dude knows numbers. Like the dude could be an analyst when it comes to that stuff. I was, I'm like blown away. And the Jordan has been calling Giannis since like last season. He's like, dude, I, I know, I, he's like, I know we're gonna move on Giannis. And I kept telling him, I was like, dude, bullshit. Like, there's no way. Like, we just got rid of Kevin. There's no way we're gonna move on Giannis. And then all of a sudden, this trade rumor started happening. And I was like, oh my god, Jordan might have just called another one. And I, I, I have to stick by his gut. I think, I think it's gonna happen. But oh, I do too. Fear, yeah, 100%. My, my, my biggest fear, though, is losing Clay Thompson in it. 
And I, that's the thing that makes that trade so difficult for me because I believe the Warriors even announced that they're willing to trade damn near anyone except practically Steph Curry to get Giannis. And I'm like, okay, but Clay is just as much a part of like the reason why you guys win as Steph Curry. Like, I, I don't think you could see him go, man. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't right. see that happening. And, and I'm such a Clay Thompson fan, so there's like a little bit of bias in that too. But like, man, I would just, I would hate to like lose because I think what made the Warriors so great, especially in the years that they won, you know, even minus Kevin was like, it was such a great team of role players. I mean, it's such a deep bench of role players. Like everyone knew their role, knew their position, knew what they had to do. And I would hate to feel like we abandoned at least a little bit of that just for another all-star, just for another MVP caliber player, you know? And so it's like, there's, there's some fear behind it for sure. But like, man, to see, to see Giannis in a Warriors jersey would be just as insane as seeing Kevin Durant in a Warriors jersey. Like it, it doesn't seem real. But I, yeah, I just hope that the team, but that's the thing. It's like, I trust, I trust our GM, man. Like if we, if we were able to pull that Kevin Durant move off and we've been able to like, you know, it's the fact that, like, we, we drafted Draymond, we drafted Clay, we drafted Steph. Like, we moved all of our bench players. Like, we knew we knew the moves we needed to make offseason. So, it's like, it's more just a fan talking about the fear and not as, like, a, an analyst. Because, like, man, I if any if I, if I don't want to trust anyone in this, it's, it's the people pulling the strings behind the Warriors because they have just proven time and time again that they just, like, know what they're doing. So, it's like, yeah, man, hands off to you guys. I'm going to let you do what you think is right. It might sting a little bit, but, like, whatever you guys think works, man, because you guys are proving yourself. They've proven themselves. So it's like, whatever whatever they think is right, man. That's the thing. So it's like, I'm, I'm okay handling a, um, a shitty year with the Warriors because it's like, man, that's that's what I've lived with. Like, I lived with the Warriors being shitty. I lived with the Giants <laughs> being shitty. I lived with, I lived with the, the 49ers still being shitty, dropping two Super Bowls in my lifetime. Like, yeah. like I'm okay, like, the seats for a little bit as long as it pays off. And I got to see the Giants pay off, and I got to see the Warriors pay off. Close to seeing the 49ers pay off, but it's still fun to watch them because they were still successful this year. So it's like, oh, they're going to be right back. They'll be right back in that mix. They're one of the five best teams in the league, for right? sure, in the NFL. Yeah. For so sure. Like, regardless, I'm excited. Like, I'm, I'm okay getting shit on for a little bit. But, like, yeah, I think it's more of just, like, it's more fan fear as far as, and not, like, what's looking out best for the team. Because, like, that's... That's where like Steve Kerr and the GMs come involved. Cause, like yeah, they if they feel like the best thing to do to get Giannis and to continue being championship warriors is getting rid of someone like Clay Thompson. It's like that's gonna sting. That's gonna suck. That's gonna hurt. But man, if you think that's gonna get Warriors more wins, man, I I guess I'll I guess I'm here for it. Like I guess I guess I'm gonna ride with you guys on this. I don't think you have to worry because Giannis is a free agent after next season. I think you guys are just going to pull another Kevin Durant out of your ass. I think, you know, five years later, you guys are going to pull, you guys will all meet in the Hamptons and, you know, or wherever Giannis wants to be, you know, maybe a Milwaukee bar or something. I don't know. I don't know where Giannis hangs, but I I think you guys are just going to just do another Kevin Durant, man. I just, because I'm with you. When the rumor started floating, it's like, hey, we heard the Kevin Durant stuff nine months before he signed there, and nobody believed it until he signed there. So it's just like, where there's smoke, there's fire in life, and there's a lot of smoke, 
on Giannis to the Warriors. And of course, Giannis is going to say all the right things. You know, I love Milwaukee. Milwaukee's been my home since I got drafted. You know, I, I'm sure he loves it as much as yeah. he says he does. And, you know, the Bucks have a chance this year. I mean, hopefully not because I want to see the Lakers win. But the Bu- he has a chance to bring the Bucks a title this year. So I feel like if Giannis wins a title for Milwaukee this year or next year, he's even more inclined to leave. It's like, it's like a Kawhi situation. It's like, hey, man, I won you guys a title. Like, I'm free to go at this point. You know what I mean? You guys can have Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Giannis, which I don't know if it's better than the 2017 Warriors because that's probably the best team I've ever seen with my own two eyes, offense and defense. They were just absolutely unstoppable. But, man, Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Giannis will be nuts. I think you guys can just sign them outright. And, I mean, shout out to Jordan for that foresight, man. He, Kevin Durant and Giannis, he got them right for sure. I remember he was calling the KD thing. Dude, yeah, he he's been on it, man, and I, he's like explaining like why they think why he thinks he's gonna. And a lot of it too is it's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Like a lot of people just like want to play with Steph Curry. A lot of people want to play for Steve Kerr. Like I think the Warriors have built themselves as a respectable. It's like the it's like the exact opposite with the Knicks. It's like no one wants to play for the Knicks because they don't trust that franchise anymore. They don't trust that team. There's nothing there that people want to play for. Right. Like I think the same thing for the Warriors. Like people want to play for that organization. Like I think, and I think that's why you get like a lot of young guns, guns like uh, like the like uh, Pool and like Bell in the, in the last couple of years who are so excited to be a part of that team because it's like, yeah, they're gonna come off the bench and yeah, they're gonna be role players. It's like, dude, they get to play for the Warriors. Like that's such a fun team and it's such a good team to play for. You know, and it's like it's. I think it's the same thing that LeBron to the Lakers. It's like you know, there's other moves to be made other than just championships. Like there's a lot of other complex reasons why someone would leave to another team. And I think LeBron was thinking post career. I think LeBron was thinking Hollywood. I think LeBron was thinking his family uh, and just like other business. Like the fact that like LeBron James makes more money with his brand deals, and he's going to get even more deals and other sources of income out in LA than he would be if he stayed in Cleveland. And it's like, yeah, there's like just so many different reasons why someone would leave somewhere. And I think there's a lot of behind the scenes happening with Giannis that like we can see, but also can't see of like why Giannis would want to be a part of an organization like the Warriors, you know? So, right. I mean, regardless, I'm excited because it's like, I'm just excited to watch basketball be played again. Cause like, yeah, that's been, that's been a miss thing. Like I, I'm catching, like, I, I finally got Hulu and Hulu has like live sports so it's, I can finally watch yep. the Warriors games because like, like yeah. the last year I've just been like seen highlights on Twitter and it's like oh this is the same like so right. I'm just excited to get back in the mix of it and even regardless too like I'm excited to watch you know the Lakers win especially with in, in lieu of you know Kobe and I, I'm rooting for the like even though they're like godforsaken rivals to the, to the Warriors and like everyone likes to shit on the Lakers like you know, it, it was fun to watch. They were like, to me, they was like, if you're a basketball fan, you like to watch teams win, and you like to watch certain teams win. It's like, it was fun to watch that Lakers team play. Like, they were just fun to watch, even even though you don't like the team necessarily. Yeah, you like that team because they, they play good basketball. And, like, especially what happened to Kobe, you're just like, man, I hope to God LeBron just, like, wins one for him. I hope that organization just wins one for him. And it's man. to see that cut short because it sucks to see that uh, cut short because of COVID. But like as a basketball fan and as like I guess a genuine human being, like it would have been really fun to see a championship, a championship return to LA in honor of you know the man who 
uh, who helped build this dynamic franchise that everyone reveres, you know, that everyone, even if you don't like the team, you know the franchise and you revere the franchise of the Los Angeles Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's a hole. It's a hole in my heart, especially for me and Jordan, because like, you know, when you're being so creative and you're being so, uh, you're doing so much film, you're just, like, you're doing so much stuff and stuff. Like, it's nice to have other means and hobbies or things that you can like take your mind off of to like go somewhere so that you can return to creative stuff with like a new fresh look and I know every creative has a different thing whether it's like even some people there are other creative things that are just other creative things but for me and Jordan like sports is like such a huge like means to like escape for a little bit before we return to creativity and me and Jordan have always wanted to work creatively within sports too like that'd be so fun to do but like yeah, so that's been a big hole in our creative heart to not have uh, something to talk about outside of, like, what films we're watching or, like, you know, what podcasts we're listening to on filmmaking, yada, 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 all that stuff, so, yeah. Right. I hear that. I, I, I do think, not just as a, you know, I am a diehard Laker fan, but I do think that LeBron and Anthony Davis will bring the championship home for Kobe Bryant. I think that's the single event that... Of course, I'm not going to say needed to happen, but I mean, you want to talk about, you know, a kick in the ass. I mean, that's the one event that if they weren't motivated enough, that should be enough. And I think LeBron at this stage in his career, he wants to be better than Michael Jordan. And that's not just, you know, I, I, I want to ask you about the last dance and stuff, but um, it's just like at this stage in his career, it's like he has to get another championship. I just don't think three is enough, even though the Cleveland title against the 73 and nine and unanimous MVP is just one of the craziest storylines in sports ever. But as illustrious as his career is, I just don't think three rings hits hard enough. I think if he gets a ring with three different teams and he's the best player on every single one of those teams and he's peaked, you know, three times in his career, this would be the fourth time. And it's like, it's a different decade now. You know, I just think it'd be all that much more impressive. You know, it'd be as impressive as Jordan in 98, you know, hitting that last shot. And it's like the most iconic shot ever besides, uh, you know, Ray Allen and maybe Kyrie's. But um, it's just like he, he needs that. He needs that moment. And I mean, I think the block was, you know, his peak moment, you know, or like his defining moment. But. I think the fourth ring will do it. And I think that with Kobe, unfortunately, passing and, and of course, Gianna and everybody else, it's like that was what was, you know, that's what LeBron needed to fuel him. You know, I, 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 I'm trying to make that sound as nice as I can because I don't wish that upon anybody, of course. And, I mean, the guy Kobe Bryant, I mean, he's the reason I got into basketball in the first place. He's the whole reason I'm a Laker fan even yeah. to begin with. So it's just like that was just so tough. You know, I mean, it's like 2020, man. It's been shit, man. Kobe died, you know, it's like we got the virus, it's just like, now all these protests and everything, but before we get to all the protests and whatnot, I want to ask you if you saw The Last Dance. No, so I, I haven't, I've been waiting for all, because I, I don't have, because um, it's on like a network, so like you need to like tune in at the time, and I don't have that resource at the apartment I'm staying at, but I know it's going to be, I think they said that they're going to put it on either Disney Plus, or they're going to put it on Hulu once it's done. Uh, it's on Hulu now. So, you, you can watch the whole thing on Hulu. on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah, so that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to binge the whole thing. I've been keeping up a little bit as far as, like, because every time the episode aired, it was trending on Twitter. A, a moment or a, a certain line that was, like, when the episode that focused a little bit more on Dennis Rodman. Like, yeah. That was, like, all Twitter could talk about was, like, the story of Dennis Rodman. And it's funny <laughs> like, to catch up from a Twitter and see how people are chiming in and be like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. I had no idea. But, like, I've been chiming in a little bit, and, like, I think 
the well, the one part uh, I remember distinctly was like when like Larry Bird called him like that like God came down in the form of Michael Jordan or something like that. And I was like Larry Bird, right? You devil. Like it's just like it's interesting. Like, I I'm I'm excited for it because I think I think what the last dance shows off not only as a sports fan but just as a creative like and as a filmmaker like there's such like sports and I, a lot of filmmakers tell you this like sports can be the most pinnacle form of storytelling like there's rise there's fall there's redemption there's underdogs there's yeah twists there's turns it's like the ultimate like that's why like even the shittiest the sports movies still are somewhat entertaining to watch because of that intensity of like who's gonna win what's gonna happen like oh my gosh this person that we didn't expect to pull off this like like I mean for example the Steve Kerr shot yeah like that's like the underdog like you can't write something better than that no that is the best like writing so I think that's like what the last chance is even showing us like yeah like creators like we should start taking like beats and moments from sports like even if it's not even like even if you're not relating it specifically to a sports film or a sports doc or sports anything like these are such cool beats and moments as a filmmaker to be watching and be like so this is how stories can be told and this is why these moments live on forever is because like this is just story 101 like this is just like how to just write a good story and the beauty of it is it's not written it's all just natural humans just competing against each other and it's like oh it's, it's beautiful so I mean I haven't watched like the specific the specifics of it but like hearing about the last dance from both the Twitter community and the filmmaking community is like beyond inspiring so I'm I'm beyond excited to like just like have a moment to like sit down and you know, make myself you know some coffee and just like sit and just watch this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond it. Like I've been ever since I heard that it was like being made. I was just like, yeah, that's gonna be a doc that like it's gonna be like Tiger King. Like that thing is just gonna kill. Like it's just gonna be such a doc that people just need to like watch. So I mean, it's just, it's the story. Of Michael, like everyone, Michael Jordan's like Kobe. Like you say that name and it is a household name, even if you've never watch the game of basketball in your life you can hear the word michael jordan and you will know who that is like who is that referencing same with kobe bryant you know same with lebron james like you don't need to watch basketball to know these names and i think making a story that or making anything that like talks a little bit more about a mythological legend of someone of that status is like that's crazy to do so yeah i think for me since i did get to watch it and uh Universal Music Group, man, they took down my Last Dance podcast because I played uh, the Drake and Playboy Cardi song as one of the intro songs, and Drake has a deal with Universal, so Universal copyrighted my entire pod, so it's not up there anymore, so I guess I'll give like a little tiny review of, of the Last Dance, I guess, real quick for you, but um, I don't want to spoil it for you, but I'll tell you this much, man, it is 10 hours, and there is not a dull moment, scene, second, I don't feel bored. I don't feel like I want to go do something else. I don't. I, it's so good. I don't even want to get up to go play basketball. I just want to keep watching. It's just, dude. It's phenomenal. And and Jordan is so honest. Scotty is so honest. Phil Jackson is so honest. It's like all these people. And then episode five is the one where a lot of the celebrity cameos pop up. Um, and I, I will spoil this for you. I won't tell you what 
you know, is said or what happens, but that's the one that Kobe comes in. Kobe's the very first guest on episode five, and that's the episode that's dedicated to Kobe. And it's just like, man, that was his last interview, basically, before he passed, you know? And it's just like, just seeing him, just talking, you know what I mean? Just about playing Michael, and and the fact that me and you both, you know, we were both the late 90s babies, we missed all of this. We didn't get to see not one shot of any of this stuff. So it's just, it's so cool to go back and be able to see, like, wow. Like, I've never hated Michael Jordan or anything like that. I've never been one of those people, but it's like, man, Jordan really was, like, the man. Like, he was the shit, like, yeah. for real. Like, people really loved Michael Jordan, you know? And, like, that's the reason that people will defend him to the bitter end, you know? The guy was an absolute savage in every sense of the word, you know? And it, it's a phenomenal doc, man. I, it, you got to hit me up one day once you watch it, because it's, man, just binge watch it for a day. Ten hours, I, man, I've never spent ten hours doing something I enjoyed more as far as like films and stuff. It's, it's so phenomenal. I think that's like literally the bar for like 30 for thirties and whatnot going forward. And the fact that they had to finish it in the middle of the pandemic on zoom calls and sending each other clips back and forth. Cause episodes eight, nine and 10 were not finished when everything started shutting down in March and they pushed up the release date six weeks, which I know, you know, you know, with filmmaking, pushing up production is unheard of. No one pushes up any kind of production. If anything, you delay everything because it takes patience and it takes time. So I thought they did a phenomenal job. Shout out to the, the uh, director, Jason Hare is his name. He directed the, um, I think it was the Fab Five documentary. And I think he directed the Bad Boy Pistons documentary. And he's done other ones as well, but those are two of the most notable. So shout out to Jason Hare and Mike Tallin and everybody. I think Chris Polk's one of the producers as well on The Last Dance because they did a phenomenal job and they had little to no resources to work with. And I'm I'm just letting you know, man, it's worth every second of your time. You will not be disappointed whatsoever. Um, so I do want to get to... Let's let's go back to the protests and let's talk about George Floyd and everything that's going on. Because I know you living down there in L.A., it's very major. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of things going on. It's probably very scary, you know, at certain points in the city and certain, you know, streets you turn onto and whatnot. What is the vibe and the energy like? And how do you feel about all the protests and whatnot, personally? Um, oh, man, like, yeah, this is... I would say, too, I guess the energy is mainly... The energy is a slew of things. I'd say there's an energy of anger, an energy of, um, like, people are finally, I I can't quote who, so I don't want to, like, butcher it or, like, misquote or anything like that, but someone says it sucks that it took for this type of death to finally give, like, America the wake-up call to, like, what's happening. Because I've had had a lot of friends who I never thought would want to talk to me or talk about this certain situation uh, to, like, speak on these things and to speak on, like, police reform and police brutality and abolishing the police and, you know, what's happening with Black Lives in America researching the history of, like, the prison and judicial system referencing to Black Lives. And it's like, I never thought I would have these conversations with these people. And on one side, it's like, yes, I'm so happy that these conversations are happening. I'm so glad that um, we're finally talking about this. But in the second hand, it's like there's been so many unlawful and unjust deaths that have happened to like black citizens in America that it's such that like now is the time. But like that, it, that's just how it is. So it's like on one hand it's amazing, on one hand it's just sad and horrible. Um, and I think the energy is just overall like they, we want to see we want to see justice, not because this this protest has gone beyond just George Floyd. And like, 
granted, George, George Ford was the spark, and it's sad to say he was the spark, the spark because you don't want anyone to be a spark for anything because this thing shouldn't exist in the first place. But it's like, yeah, man, like, he's the spark that now a lot of people are, like, looking back at old cases. Like, man, Breonna Taylor's case is opening up, and she was uh, unlawfully and unjustly killed uh, a, a couple months back. And, like, now we're looking into Sandra Bland's case. And, I, and it's like, oh, my gosh, like, this is, this is sparking such a huge change. And the fact that people are actually thinking about defunding the police, which is one of the most funded aspects of most major cities, especially L.A., it's like, oh, my gosh, like, we are literally living in a history book moment. Like all those history yes. book moments that we look we look at with like Mr. Longnecker and fucking history <laughs> or history, yeah. like whatever like whatever it was, bro, this will be on the books forever. Like I was talking it will. Friend, like this moment this moment will be remembered just as much as like the civil rights moment. I was just gonna say it. It's beyond it's beyond me like to see the movement of these people and see the energy of the people like it's not slowing down and I'm so glad it's not slowing down because once it's slowed down then change can't happen and like obviously I don't condone the violence and stuff like that and I don't want to get to like who's actually condoning the violence like you know cause in my opinion I think the police are inciting a lot of it as can be seen from videos and stuff like yes, that yes I there's, agree there's, of course there's just anarchists in the world too like there's people who want to take advantage of the situation because there's no other time in their history that they can go rob a Gucci store or that they can go rob a Louis Vuitton store and not get caught and it's like yeah it's true you could literally do that but those are the anarchists those are the people who don't care about the movement those are the people who are taking advantage of the movement to like loop them in with the protesters it's just sick so and being a part of being a part of protests it's like it's humbling and it's somber uh, the protests I went to didn't believe was peaceful. There were some moments of unrest, like there were some moments of chaos and running because uh, we thought that like, police were doing some shit. And uh, I was looking out for my people where I went and I made sure that they were safe. But overall, like it stayed peaceful and no one was hurt. Um, but that's that's the that's the movement of a lot of people. They just they want to see change. And it's like for me, I, I talked a little bit about my on my Instagram. It's like, man, I've been so blessed by the black community and I've been so blessed by black creatives because that's like. 99% of my income is a lot of like rap videos and a lot of videos for black artists and black creatives who entrust Jordan and I with their work and it's like how could I profit off a community profit off a culture and not be vocal about said culture who has blessed me beyond anything like they literally giving me my filmmaker career so why they stay silent on that and that, that gets, that's just my sentiment behind this. Like, man, and, and that's just, that's the filmmaking perspective. That's not even, like, the humanitarian perspective of, like, yeah, I don't want to see black lives, you know, put in risk or danger, their voice is not heard. That's the humanitarian response. But me as the filmmaking response, it's like, man, like, this is just another layer for me to speak out and say something. So, man, I, I pray that it continues, and I pray that we see major change. You know, and there's a lot of, and I think we just need to hear to the different aspects of change because some people are saying abolish the police entirely. Some people are saying we need to defund the police and move the funds to other places. And I'm not the one to call the decisions. I'm, I'm only able to do research and hear the opinions of a lot of different people and come up with my own opinions. But, like, you know, there's, we need to talk to the lawmakers. We need to talk to people in charge and put people in charge that are actually willing to listen uh, to those demands and to those changes. Like, uh, I'd say, I guess, to concise to consistent or uh, specifically this moment today, like a lot of the alumni of my uh, my college, my university, they started a, a list of nine demands 
for our school to follow in lieu of all of these things going on. And uh, one of them, the one that I stand by the most, is we have a, a, a conference called SCORE Conference, which stands for a Student Conference of Racial uh, Reconciliation. And it's one of the longest, or it's one of the biggest conferences on racial reconciliation in, in North America. Like, it's huge. People from all over the world come to my school for, like, a week to learn about racial reconciliation. And I didn't go my first year or two because it's not mandatory. And I was like, well, I don't need to go. And then one year I had to go for extra credit in a class. And I was like, okay. And it's, I was never opposed to going. It's just like I was either busy or, like, I didn't prioritize it. So I was like, oh, I, I can't go. But then I finally went, and I was like, every student everywhere should go to something like this or every person everywhere needs to be like this my mom who uh, who works or worked at simpson university who was head of student care i told her about this conference and i said mom you need to make sure that simpson pays for you and some other students to head down to biola and go to this conference because it'll change your life and sure enough like i barely saw my mom when she came down but every time i ran into her whether it was like at a local coffee shop on campus or something she was crying and she was like i don't know why this isn't mandatory like i don't know why students like this i'm like we're learning about our fellow brothers and sisters we're learning about all these different things of how we can move forward not even just as white people but just people in general and i was just like oh my god like so in that list of nine demands that the alumni created like that's one of the demands of like we need to make the score mandatory and there's just a, a there's a, a i don't go, i won't go through all nine but like that one is like one that's like near and dear to my heart so it's really cool to be a part of like a different like boards of people who are really trying to use whatever power they have or whatever voice they have to make a change to better our brothers and sisters and the fact that people are like disagreeing or are like arguing the fact that like black lives matter it's like how is that a controversial statement like we're literally just saying that black lives should matter <laughs> that's saying, like, yeah That's what it is.
um, social media. Um, I was completely off my phone that day, except answering like some emails and some texts and stuff like that. But I just had to take, cause I was just so exhausted and I was so like tired of just like seeing this hate and all these things. I was like, oh my gosh. And it was so funny, a black friend of mine said like, well, if you're exhausted out of like doing this as far as like being a white person, like imagine how exhausting it is for me to be a black person and have to deal with this daily. Right. Oh my God. And that's like, where it clicks for people. Yeah. For good people. It's like, oh, okay. You know, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's been it's been an eye opening issue. Like I just I just try and focus on the good of it all. Like not only just the change, but seeing the change of heart of a lot of people. Like I I witnessed one of my uh, white friends, who's a good friend of mine. She made this really lengthy post saying like I used to be an all lives matter person. I didn't understand what Black Lives Matter meant. Like I I, I didn't want to listen to what Black Lives Matter meant. I was kind of stuck in my own bubble. And she's like, well, now I I'd be happy to say that like I I I'm starting to understand it. Like. Granted, I understand that I will never understand the, the, the plight of a black person and to, what it's like to be black in America, but I'm more willing to understand and try to understand now than I was before. And she just got shit on. Like, so many people were like, how dare you? Like, all lives matter. Like, why aren't you still sticking with all lives matter? Like, yada, yada, yada. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, but she, like, that's that's the fight she's joined. Like, that's the, that's the, the part of the movement she's joined. And it's like, you know, it's, yeah, it's crazy, man. Like, there's there's a lot. Like, I could I could speak forever on it, and especially with my ability, because again, I'm speaking from a white perspective of a white person. Um, but this is just kind of like what I've been seeing, what I've been dealing with personally, as far as like people coming out to me or re- reaching out to me to argue or like yada yada stuff like that. So, but it's also been disheartening because, like, man, I've just like I said, I've been so blessed by a lot of my black friends. And, you know, shout out to specifically like Akio and Darnell, who I've shot. A majority of my videos for, you know, like they put a risk on, like they 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 risked me and Jordan making their videos, and like I've grown to like love them and call them close friends, and it's like to see them, to see those guys who I've just respected and admired and uphold as strong individuals with really strong creative abilities, and to see them just so disheartened and see them so angry and feeling like disrespected, and that's the one thing uh, specifically that my friend Darnell said is like no one respects black culture like they're willing to take from it they're willing to take the lingo the style the dancing the music the, all these things that they don't put respect on the actual people who started those things and I'm like ah, and you're like it's just like it's eye-opening it's eye-opening to have these types of conversations and it's but it's good it's it's like I mean like we talked about earlier it's like therapy man it's like it's like you have to talk through these things to like understand more and even though it's like peeling off a band-aid that hurts and it's like stuck to your skin it's like it's better when it's off man like you gotta just rip it off it's gonna hurt it's gonna suck but like imagine what they're going through like it's not just a band-aid it's like their full body being waxed like they're they're constantly ripping off things and we're we as white people are just ripping off small things like they have been constantly being ripped off yeah things that hurt them yeah like all the time like their necks are literally getting stepped on and like sat on like literally their necks it's just like and people still don't fucking get it it's just like i had a lot to say about it but you honestly took a lot of my points unintentionally but i know for me personally i didn't speak out about it in the last week or two because to be totally truthful with everybody including you i didn't know what to say or do i don't i don't personally think the blackout picture last tuesday or whatever that day was enough 
Okay, I, I didn't want to be the guy no. that just put up a black picture and then validated it to everyone or made it seem like I did, and then I move on. Because that's not... For me, it's like... I literally felt, like, embarrassed. I felt ashamed to be a white man in America that day. Watching that video, I don't... I'm with you. It's like, how, as a human being, do you still have the wherewithal and I guess maybe just the balls to still say, you know, all lives matter and, and you know what I mean? It, it shouldn't be... And I don't think all cops are bad, so I'm not going to say, you know, fuck the police or anything, but it's like, man, fuck some of those bad cops. You know what I mean? Like, why can't we just say it, man? Fuck them. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's freedom of speech. And like you said, this is a defining moment in America, in the world. You know, I I think this death right here is going to not only expand beyond America, where it it needs to change, it needs to happen, but also for the world, you know? And between, like I said, just the pandemic and then going straight into this, it's like, man, this year is just one for the books. And it's like, all these protests and whatnot, I'm happy they're happening. Uh, here in Shasta County, there's been a few that have been, you know, very peaceful and there's no riots, there's no looting, no one's really breaking into any stores that I've heard of, no one's lost their business, no one's lost their livelihood, no one's lost their life over, you know, simply speaking out, you know, and I really respect that and admire that about the community because, Max, as you know, this is a very conservative and Republican and, if you will, Trump country. So it's just to see everyone come out and... I'm not saying, you know, it's Trump's fault or anything like that, but I mean, I'm sorry, the guy doesn't, and I'm not trying to make this a huge political thing, but he doesn't help his case or anyone else's case at all. You know, I'm willing to say fuck Trump at this point. It's like, fuck him. He wants to sit there and hold a Bible upside down and tear gas people outside of the White House and go hide in a fucking bunker. Man, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? Like, it it fires me up as a, you know, as a person. It's like, it's just, it's, it's unbearable to watch and, uh, you know, just to see... Like, there's people I work with, of course, and whatnot. Like, there was this girl, and she'll remain anonymous, but, you know, she's a fucking... I I like to call them conservatards when they're just so on one side of the aisle just because of whoever's president or what that. They can't even begin to fathom or understand. Like, there's a real struggle and real pain going on. There's real pain between me and you, Max, and we aren't black. My neck wasn't the one that was sat on. It's like... You know, and we can only, like you said, if it's that bad for us to watch, imagine living that, you know, imagine being that every day. It's just like, it's just crazy to me. Like you said, you know, I build off your point. It's just, it's crazy to me to see that people really still have that mindset and that perspective of, you know, all lives matter. It's like, how are you going to protest a protest? They're just trying to say that their lives matter. Not that it matters more than yours or more than mine. They just matter. You know, and it's like, yeah, it's that's like a, that's, a, that's a small term, like matters. Like that's like Michael Shea said it best in his stand-up. Like that's all we're saying is it matters. Like we're not saying <laughs> better than. It's literally just the word matters. It's like saying like Blake Mayfield, you matter. That seems like such a bare minimum thing to be willing to say. Right. Like, like he even says, he even says the joke. He's like, maybe she want to change it to exist. Like black black lives exist. Like is that better? Like. It's like, yeah, man, like, it seems like it's such a, a small term to be willing to say, but, yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think, even when you're touching too, is like, especially from, and this isn't just the one, I mean, you can see it more and so on one side today, it's just like this lack of critical thinking, and it's like, man, the reason that humans evolve and that we change and our character changes is because we have the capability to critically think about a situation and part of being human is accepting the fact that you may not know enough information, that you may not know anything at all, or you may, like, you may not... You may not be right. Way. You may be wrong. Exactly. You may not be, and, 
took the fact to be like, you know what, you're right, I'm wrong, I want to do better. And the fact that we just have these stubborn-ass people who are just saying, like, I'm not changing in my ways, it's like, oh, do some critical thinking real quick. Like, man, I can't, like, I used to be, I, you can, I mean, I'm not saying, like, I'm going to get, like, canceled or anything, but, like, man, if I ever became something one day and people wanted to actually take the time out of the day to go look through old tweets, they will find in 2015, 16, I'm pretty sure I was, like, supporting Trump. Because I wasn't thinking. I wasn't, like, I like I had a lack of critical thinking. I let the environment, which is where we grew up, this north, like, this north conservative, like, part of California, I yep. let my environment dictate so much of my feelings and my, my worldviews. And then I finally, like, moved to L.A. and I was like, and my major was communication studies, and communication studies, one of the first things we're taught is how to critically think about things. It wasn't the fact that I moved to a more liberal part of California. It's like, no, my major, the thing that I studied at my conservative university was how to critically think about things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yes, like, look at all these, like, new votes of information, these new voices I'm listening to. And I just don't see that from a lot of, like, friends, family, from people, and it's like, man, like, I accepted that I was wrong and that I didn't know a lot of things or that I was just following a trend and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to stick up for what I believe is right and if you don't think that's right, like, okay, that's on you, but, like, at least take the time to listen to it and take the time to just, like, heed my words and I'll heed yours, you know? Like, I'm not going to just say, like, well, my opinion's right every time now because of the fact that I've critically thought about things. But it's like, no, I'm, I'm going to listen to your side because, like, I want to hear why you think the way you do and I'm going to contend with it and I'm going to listen to it. But you should do the same for what's going on right now. And you, as in, like, the the, the all-around you, not as in you, you. But right, that's yeah. My, that's what I have to say about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear you, man. And I don't want this to be the last thing we talk about. I got one more thing after this. But, um, yeah, it's just, like, it's tough to watch. And, uh, like I said, I'm really happy that as a county, as Shasta County, as, you know, like you said, you know what I mean? There's a lot of uh, you know, a lot of church people between, you know, whatever religion. And there's a lot of conservative. There's a lot of whatever. It's nice to see that, you know, those people are still willing to come out and say, hey, like, this is wrong. You know, no matter who I voted for, no matter what I thought or what I think even. It's like people can still have their own takes, their own opinions. But as long as you can understand the matter and feel some kind of empathy as a human being, that's, you know, that's... That's what's needed. This is a t- moment in history. It's like Martin Luther, after he got assassinated, the Civil Rights Act was passed five days later. You know, it's like, yeah, there's a real change. Yeah, like there's real change that's going to happen in this country. And I'm here for it. I can't wait. I'm so happy that, you know, we're in our early, tw- early to mid-20s and we get to, you know, maybe hopefully see positive change and you know i rest in peace to george floyd i'm i it's like you said at the top it's very sad that it took this to happen but you know in a sense it's like now we can start to find solutions you know now it's like everyone has a phone everyone has a tv everyone has a whatever and you can see it up close and personal i mean it's like black folks i remember i think it was shannon sharp was saying on undisputed a few days ago it felt like that cop was sitting on all of our necks that is, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to put myself in that predicament, but that is kind of what this feels like when people still don't get it, you know, it's like, yeah. it's still like the he knee's still so on the weird. neck. Yeah, he said it so weirdly, it's like, man, because a lot of people even said the same thing that he's been told, like, man, just turn the other cheek, which is, uh, you know, a biblical reference, and it's like, just turn the other cheek, and it's like, he's, like, 
Oregon and said, like, I'm tired of turning my team. How about you just stop slapping me in the face? And it's like, boom. You wouldn't have to turn your cheek so often if the person slapping you in the face just stopped slapping you in the face. <laughs> so the fact that a lot of the first people's feelings towards the team was like, well, if they weren't rioting and protesting and looting, and it's like, well, if a cop didn't just knee on a man's neck for 10 minutes, none of this would have happened. Right. Like, the people are, like, checking two and two. So it's like, I think, I think you said it right. Like, yeah, it, it it, it's, it's a wake-up call, it's, it's upsetting, but, like, yeah, man, like, I, I, I try and go to the root of it, like, I mean, I would, if I kept getting something to say to my life, like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say, like, dude, cut it out, like, I'm going to fight back. I, I, I use the bully metaphor all the time, it's like, man, I used to get bullied all the time in, like, middle school, and, like, just, like, in, and stuff, and it's like, man, if I was bullied, I would go to a teacher, or I would go to a friend, or I'd go to a counselor, I'd go to someone, and if no one's doing anything about it, like, what did my dad tell me? Like, okay, stick up for yourself. If, I, if, he, if he keeps pushing you, right. push back. Knock it off. And it's like, that's what we're seeing right now in our country. Is these, like, people are just so sick and tired of being bullied, of being pushed down. And they're finally like, you know, enough is enough. I'm going to fight back a little bit. Yeah. And we condemn that. Like, we condemn the pushback. It's like, no, that's a natural reaction to being hit constantly. <laughs> is to hit back. Especially when no one else is trying to help you. Like, it's like the idea they're just getting pummeled and they're looking up and they're like, does anyone else want to tag in? Does anyone else want to help this man stop punching me in the face? And everyone's like, no. It's like, all right, I guess I'm going to have to punch him in the face myself. Like, I'm going to get him off me myself. You know, right. That's what, it, that's what it looks like and that's what it feels like. So it's like, yeah. And I, yeah, like I said, I, get to, I can go for days on this bit, yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. I Yeah, for sure. And to, to sum up, you know, your metaphor, it's like the the best part is about that is that once the people finally stand up for themselves or the victim does, it stops. And let's hope that's what this does. You know, it's like yeah. now they're standing up for it. Let's hope that maybe not stop totally. Cause I, you know, I can guarantee it won't stop on a dime tomorrow, but slowly but surely throughout yeah, the next, yeah. you know, few years or even over a decade or two or three, we can finally start seeing it's like, cause cell phones aren't going away. Cameras aren't going away. Voice recorders aren't going away. All this stuff's going to keep getting more and more exposed if it keeps happening. This is not, you know, this feels like yeah. the tipping point, but it's like, this can keep happening if change isn't effective in 2020. But I feel like this is just the year. It's two zero two zero. It's just like, everything just kind of lined up. I feel like this is the year for change. Shit's supposed to change this year yeah. and stuff's going down. Uh, real quick, I talked to you for a few minutes before we started recording, and I don't want to end on something so heavy and so just, um, I guess, you know, just something so heavy. I, I wanted to ask you about therapy. Me and you both attend counseling. You've been going for a few years. I've been going uh, throughout the summers for a few years. I go full-time now. But um, just, you know, some positive things you've learned in your life and positive changes you've made through therapy. I was wanting to talk to you about that for a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, I had therapy today before we hopped on this call, and it was beautiful because we talked. We've been talking a lot about because, like, I'm I'm done with therapy in the next couple of weeks. Uh, my three year stint is over. Uh, a, because I can't afford it, and B, I'm out of the hands of this like therapist. So it's like, um, it's like it's coming to my three year stint is at an end, and it's crazy. We're talking about like next steps. Stuff. Like, man, when I began therapy, I was incredibly suicidal, and I was incredibly, you know alcoholic and I still am an alcoholic and I mean I was incredibly on drugs and I was just going through so much shit and I was processing it and it was just I was such a toxic and evil person I've hurt so many people in my life that like I can say nothing but I'm sorry to and I'm, I'm like I don't want to blame my state and I don't want to blame my mental illness for how 
how I hurt these people, but it, it had a factor. And a lot of what came out of therapy was not only self-change, like, like a lot of, um, I feel like I'm a lot quieter as a person in a sense of just like I feel calmer about things. And I feel like I am like, I just know myself more. I know why I do things more. And once you realize a little bit more about yourself, you're realizing like how you can react or not react to certain things better and how to treat yourself. Like at the end of the day, my, my, one of my biggest causes was this idea that I just didn't like myself. And that's something I still battle with just this idea of like me not liking myself. Um, it is weird to hear a therapist. It's like one of those ideas, like, when you know something is true, but, like, you don't think it's true because it's never been put on paper or no one's ever said it out loud, and then finally someone says it out loud, and you're like, oh, my gosh, the thing that I've been thinking about for so long is actually true because this other person just now confirmed it. Like, that happened with me in therapy where my therapist, like, most of the time in therapy, it's just me telling stories, whether it's about, you know, stuff at home, whether it's about stuff at school, stuff that I'm doing to myself. I've telling all these stories for years and years and years and doing all these things, and then finally my therapist is like, I feel like a core line of a lot of the things that you're talking about stems from a place of you just not liking yourself. And I was like, oh, there it is. Like, I knew that, <laughs> but it was never said out loud. And I right. was like, oh my gosh, so a lot, of the, a lot of the journey now is like, how do I put myself back together? Like, how do I start to love myself and stem my decisions, not from a place of self-hatred, but stem my decisions from a place of self-love? So I can love people better if I love myself, you know. Absolutely. And so, and that, yeah, and it's 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 been it's been my, like every single person that's talked to me about like how's therapy going, man. I can't offer it enough to people. It's like every time someone's like, I'm thinking about doing it, but I don't know. I'm like, man, just at least give it a try. Like you know, because everyone's got their stuff, everyone's got their demons, everyone's got their stuff that they're working on. But like for me, I should be like an exhibit a test case on like how therapy, even though it's a long and grueling process that takes years and years and years like at the end of the day like you do change like you if you're willing to put in the change like you you will get changed out of it um because of this and like as i was talking to you about it earlier like a lot of it is respected my creative life like the most recent short film that i did help me was a complete and total process of pain like i was i was i told this i told the story to when we premiered it um was um this idea of like I was about to get expelled from Biola and I was only three years out of graduation I was about to get expelled uh, I was detained or I was about to be detained um, I was on zero tolerance which means if I made one more mistake I'd get kicked out um, I was not I was like dangerously an alcoholic where like that the, the choice to drink was one of the first choices I did each day um, wow was, that's was, surprising was mandated that like, yeah, man, it was, I was in mandated rehab. I was mandated like AA under the influence type counseling. Like, so I was just, I hit I hit a wall at Biola, and I was just like, wow, I literally just fucking threw my life away. And out of that pain, and out of that, what was going on in therapy, and like what I was trying to figure out was like, I just wrote this screenplay, this short little film about me. And the more I wrote it, the more I was like, fuck, I have to act in this thing. And so I acted as myself in my own short film that I wrote and directed. And everything in the short film, for the most part, is true, or is like a dramatized version of like the emotion that was going on. Even if the thing itself wasn't truthful, it was close enough to the truth to be dramatized, to understand like what was going on in my head, uh, as how I was dealing with friendships, how I was dealing with family, yada yada yada. And it was like exercising a demon. And I know Shia LaBeouf did this with Honey Boy. Like 
he was exercising a demon of trauma that was like inside of him and like rooted inside of him and I had to do that creatively and that's why you said it perfectly earlier when you were talking about like when you pitch something and it falls through you're like man you're pitch you're saying that I'm like I didn't work out or I like it's me I'm putting on the line it's it's not just my art it's like myself and yep. that was the biggest fear especially with this most recent short film was like man if people say that this thing sucks they're practically saying that like, I suck like there's so much of me in this that if people like don't like it it's like it's an even bigger shot than say a music video because it's like those things are me yes but this is like me me like this is 100% me just bleeding for everyone to see and I think that's a lot of the things that therapy did for me as well is it just made me more of an open person and more of like an open person where it's not surface because you can be open with anyone like I can share with anyone like yeah this is what happened in my life but there's like a uh, a, vulner- a vulnerability that you can have that is like only comes from a place of healing and not like I'm being vulnerable because I want to sound deep or I want to like build connection but it's like no man this is like a place of just pure unfiltered vulnerability and like because of that and because of what was going on in therapy with um I, so like there's a weird uh, amalgamation of like therapy was talking about my dad and therapy was talking about like my relationship with my parents and my family the movie honey boy just came out which was a whole movie about that a relationship with the father and it was shot above acting as his father and at the same time i had just finished filming help me all that amalgamation together it just completely broke me down and, and those things, those three things together did a couple of things. One, it healed me as a person. Two, it got me to heal the relationship with my, with my father and with my family that was so broken for so long. And it's still broken, but it's now in the process of healing rather than just being in the state of brokenness. And B, it made me write a, like, memoir or, like, a personal article about the movie and how it's affected me. And that's the reason that the director behind Honey Boy you know, reached out to me and uh, followed me and has stayed in wonderful touch and has been such a beautiful light in my life is because I wrote, like, the fact that, like, she sent it to Shia herself. Like, she's, like, I didn't even ask her to send it to Shia. She just sent it to Shia, and she messaged me back and said, hey, by the way, Shia read your piece, and he loves it, and he thanks you. And, man, I... Oh, dude. Therapy, bro, I, bro, I was weeping, bro. I was... I, Jordan, I bet. Dude, Jordan, Jordan saw me, like, I literally could not stop crying for, like, a good 30 minutes because I was, like, I finally felt seen, heard, and known. And that was just something that I was, like, longing for for so long. And it came out of a place of creativity, but it also came out of a place of just pure brokenness and hurtfulness. So, like, yeah, man, I, I can talk so long about therapy and, like, what it's done for me and, like, what it's done for me as a creative and as a person. It's, like, because I don't want to say, like, Oh, therapy has got me these cool connections, but it's like, man, at the same time, I didn't try and find self-search, and I didn't try and find self-worth, and I didn't want to try and fix myself. Blessings wouldn't have happened, you know? Right. And it's like, blessings look very differently, but blessings don't have to be career things, but, like, the fact that I can even just say that, like, this healing helped move forward the, the struggle that me and my family were going through as far as, like, you know, finding, seeing each other and hearing each other and just knowing each other, like, that wouldn't have happened if I didn't go to therapy. Like, that never, that never would have been resolved if I didn't take the time to try and heal and to try and get these things and exercise these demons off my chest, man. So, yeah, it's, it's been a beautiful, beautiful thing, and I'm really sad and scared to see it come to an end, but, like, that's what we're working on right now is 
the next step process and we have a lot of analogies running about like eggs and like how I'm an egg and like I've cracked but like there's I feel like there's still a like yolk inside that I need to get rid of yada yada like there's so many like, <laughs> there's so many things that can talk, there's so many talking points in that we're on but it's like I, I'm excited to, for the next step without therapy because it's like man three years is a long stint of three three years of therapy every week like that's man in my collision course and on top of that, like I said, like the, the mandated rehab and all those things. So, yeah, my life in college was wild, you know. Was, uh, <laughs> I did not know any of that. That's wild. I, mean, I, I post a little bit about it, but I think for the most part, a lot of people don't know to the extent of like how bad I got. Like, dude, like Jordan, there's a scene in Help Me where like I'm shaving my head and I'm on drugs. And my roommate comes in, he's like, dude, what are you doing? I'm just like, I'm shaving my head, but I need help get in the back. That moment actually happened with me and Jordan in an apartment um, where Jordan went out on a date and he came back like at three in the morning or something like that. And I was zoinked out on drugs, shaving my head in the bathroom. Why was I shaving my head? I don't know. I just was. And that's what the, the drug state of mind told me to do. And he's like, dude, what are you doing? I was like, dude, just shave my head. And like, he's got it. Yeah, like, that was, that was that. So it was like, there's real moments in that and like dude I can't tell you how many times like my roommates saw me passed out and like damn near naked and they like fed me and clothed me and you know I'm, I'm just beyond blessed by the people that God's put in my life as well to support me and continue to support me in this journey but yeah man I, I as of today I've been one month clean or off drugs I've been off drugs for like a year or two but like I'm one month clean uh, from alcohol because I started this diet and dude it's crazy I started this diet um, out of a place of just again self love like I want to start loving myself again and I just like let myself go like man in college I gained so much weight like I was, it was disgusting because again I was just drinking and I'm a depressive eater when I get depressed because most of the time in college I would just eat my pain away yep. like I was I was very much that type of person and I started this diet man in one month I lost like 20 something pounds I haven't drank in a month that's um, awesome, like, dude. Good, yeah, good for you, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's awesome. God, I, th- that's crazy. Yeah. I didn't even know any of that stuff, man. That's wild. But, I mean, you're here on the other side now. So, it's like, you know, not that none of that stuff matters, but it's like, you know, you beat it. Like, you know, you topped it. Like, you, you did that, you know? That, that's awesome, dude. As someone who also does counseling and also, you know struggles with uh my substance is weed i i luckily don't have never tried anything else besides you know i've i've drank before but i'm not a drinker i've never tried anything else luckily but i struggle with that and you know you talk about like the self-love and everything like that like yeah just working on that and just kind of getting back to you know to to end this thing out um because i do have to go unfortunately here in a minute but um to end this thing out dude i'll tell you this much man i was driving you know where lake california is located right yeah. So I was driving, uh, I was delivering a pizza and so I was on, you know, going to Lake Cal. It's like a 20, 25 minute drive, whatever. So I was listening to our podcast and like literally just in that moment, our podcast from a few years ago. And in that moment, dude, mm-hmm. it's just like, I was like, man, like just listening to myself and listening to us. It's like, not only can you hear like just the excitement and the pure joy of what we're doing, but it's like, it's just like, 
I, I felt like I could hear myself and how much I loved myself back then. And I'm not sure where that went wrong. I think it had to do with a lot of outside forces and just stupid, you know, j- just things and whatnot. And then, you know, just you get older and you start learning stuff and things happen in life. And, and like you said, you know, it, it all, it, it goes into a tailspin very quickly. But, you know, it's, I was just like, man, like I want to be able to get back to this point where it's like I sound just as happy as I did on that podcast four years ago. You know, and, and get to a place where I feel, you know, because then that was my first one. You know, I wasn't accomplished or anything like that. Now it's like, you know, I'm not famous or anything by any standards, but I'll, I'll be like at Safeway here in Anderson, dude. And people will like ask me about the podcast and shit. And it's like, you know, for me not to feel validated or self-love even though I get recognition from others, you know, that was the biggest problem for me and just trying to learn how to get past that and, and work through those things. And, and yeah, man, I mean, just being able to talk to you and, you know, hear your story and hear your struggles and whatnot, even I had no idea. I wish we could sit here for hours on end and, and talk about it. Cause it's awesome. And it's very needed, you know? So, so thank you. And, uh, you know, truthfully, man, I, I know you know this already, but you, you know that I'm one of your guys' biggest fans. I love both of you, especially you, man. I love you to death. You guys were always so cool to me. You guys were so nice. You guys were always just like, you know, there was never any pushback. There was never any, you know, uh, stifling and creativity. There was not, it was just pure, just not caring. Like you're a kid again. It's like, you just get to do what you love and you really don't care what anyone else has to say or think about it, you know? And it sounds like for you, you're getting back to that place and I'm working on getting back to that place myself. And I, I do believe wholeheartedly I will get there. And just that light at the end of the tunnel, you know, that's what keeps you going through that dark ass tunnel. It's just like, I know it's there. It's there. I see it. I just got to get there, you know? So I want to thank you for coming on, man. We're an hour 40 deep. I didn't even realize we were at an hour 40, which is crazy, but I've been talking to you, man. I know we can go for hours. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a rambler too. Like even, even when I try and talk to people like, oh yeah, I mean, it'll all be 30 minutes. It usually ends up being like an hour plus. It's like, oh, well. So, yeah, I, I just go, man. I know you're the same way, man. We just, we just <laughs> For go. sure. We just keep going. <laughs> that's absolutely, yeah, man. I, I, that's the source of our friendship, man, our relationship. And I'm, uh, I'm so happy that all these years later, you know, this is me in this moment right now. I could tell you on this podcast, everyone, anyone who listens this far, like this is like a full circle moment for me from going back to my old page, I think two weeks ago or whatever it was, and simply just uploading that podcast to now getting you back on in 2020 and seeing, you know, I, I might even listen to that podcast and then listen straight back to this one and just see, you know what I mean? The difference and whatnot. Cause it's like, things are just so much more, um, they're more clear and it's also, so up in the air, you know, cause like we're not in high school. Like now this is life. This is adulthood. This is where are we yeah, going to go next? You know, and me and you both know, and I love this, that we know this is not the peak. So th- that's just my favorite part about it. This is not the height of anything. You know, it's still building up to the top of that mountain. We're not at the summit yet. You know, you're still putting the ice picks into the ground and, and climbing. And so, um, I want to thank you for coming on, man. Um, I love you to death, dude. And I will keep in contact and, and thank you so much for coming on, man. Whenever you want to come back on or, or, you know, I know we'll keep in contact, but whenever you want to do this again, man, let me know. Because I I think besides me and you, I think people enjoy listening to this stuff. So thank you for the honesty, man. I love you to death. And I really appreciate this favor, man. Thank you very much for coming on today. Dude, thank you, man. The feelings are the same, man. You always know that. Thank you for thank you for talking. Thank you for listening, man. It's been it's been an honor. So thank you, brother.
Yeah, thank you, man. I, I love you to death, man. You, you and your whole family are like family to me. D- tell tell your mom and dad I said hello, and your brother. You guys are awesome, dude. I will, I will. All right. For sure. I will talk to you later, man. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you guys have made it this far, thank you for listening. Man, that was just a really, I mean, and now that, now that it's just me, man, that was a really, really good podcast. That was really fun. That was just kind of getting back in here, and I haven't had anyone on the pod in, uh, well, more than a few months at this point, because just doing the old one and doing a couple solo, but that was really cool, man. Shout out to Max Kleiber and, you know, any, anyone that loves him, man. I love that guy to death. I wish him nothing but the best. Um, if you guys have made it this far, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys got enough info out of that podcast to last for a little while. I'm not sure when I will be back just because everything that's going on is absolutely nuts. Um, but I will try and pump out as much content as I can over the next couple months to you guys, and we'll go from there. And I love you guys. Have a good day. Be safe. Be healthy. And love yourself more. You know, do something for someone today. Do something for someone that you love. Do something to make someone feel good. And do something to make yourself feel good. Because self-love is just as important as loving someone else. Thank you.